0: Well, good morning. Uh, as uh, Mark suggested earlier, uh, my name's Jonathan, uh, again one of the uh, leaders of the church here. Uh, and no prizes for guessing that the theme for today's talk is going to be parenting. Now, just to say, at the very outset, uh, I'm aware that not everyone in the room is a parent. Some of you perhaps uh, have seen your kids grow up uh, and leave home. Uh, A few of you in the room have reached the stage of being grandparents. Some of you perhaps aspire one day to be parents For others, if you're being completely honest, the thought of being a parent scares you like mad. And that isn't just parents with young children in the room, that's those with no children as well. But if you're sitting there right now thinking, well, this talk it's just not going to be relevant for me because I'm not a parent or at the very least I'm not a parent with really young children. I want to tell you right at the beginning, I do believe that this subject is massively important for all of us. And I'd contend that it is still worth listening to this talk because at the very least it might challenge some of your assumptions and hopefully it'll get you thinking about things ever so slightly differently than how you thought about things when you came into the room a few moments ago. Now just to take it One step further. uh, I recognize there are a number of visitors here today. You are incredibly welcome. Uh, There are also a number of people in the room who would say they are part of the church here. And just to address you for a moment, like it or not, you who are part of this church are part of a community with other families. And so, if nothing else, we need to hear how all of this fits together and what God Himself has to say on the subject of parenting. Now, all that being said, I don't know what you think, but I'm pretty sure that parenting has become way more complicated than it used to be. I think it used to be that parents basically had to try and feed their kids Clothe them with something that just about fitted and keep them away from explosives. Everything else was just kind of fine. Nowadays, uh, our kids have to sleep on their backs. Now, at a moment, the new instructions they need to sleep on their fronts. Now, hang on a moment, it doesn't really matter how they sleep as long as they sleep. And they need to be able to swim three lengths underwater before their first birthday. They must be at least grade three on piano by the time they're five, but they must not have more than 97 calories in their lunch, and woe betide us if we allow them to leave their car seat until they're five foot six. It can just seem pretty overwhelming. It's like we can fear that a few wrong moves will ruin our kids forever. And at the same time, we assume that if we can try and find those elusive, perfect combinations of protection and instruction, then magically we will produce perfect children. You know, I think we have managed to make parenting way, way, way more complicated than it needs to be. Over the years, I've read a whole stack of books on this subject. I've attended various seminars and courses and workshops but over time really what I've come to realize is that actually the Bible gives us some incredibly helpful insight on this subject and you'll be relieved to hear it doesn't bombard us with lots and lots and lots of unattainable specific instructions. Keeps it very simple and very very attainable and so really all I want to do for the next quarter of an hour or so is unpack just a couple of principles from the bible about the role of a parent and what that entails. If you want to follow along, they're found in a book called Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament It's pretty much a letter written by someone called the Apostle Paul, who is one of the, the founders of the Christian church, and he's writing to a church in a city called Ephesus. And in this letter, among other things, he talks about how God makes a difference to family life. just want to read you what he says. i to read you just one verse. He says, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I want to deal with this in reverse order. I want to start off by talking about the training and instruction of our children. It's one of the things we should do as parents. It's like there is this expectation that children will actually learn something from their parents. And I know often it feels like they're never learning anything, but the expectation is that they will over time learn some stuff from us as their parents. But specifically, according to this verse, dads have a very particular role in all of this. I make just a few suggestions to help you see what this might look like in practice. And I want you to forgive me here, this is a bit of a sweeping generalization, but often my observation would be that the desire with the mother is to protect their child from harm at all costs. Whereas my observation, generally speaking, would be that dads have a role in helping their kids learn to negotiate risk and danger. And often that revolves around specific skills. So my role as a dad, I've got two sons, is to teach my boys how to ride a bike, or how to light fires, or how to climb very high up into trees, or how to use dangerous power tools, often behind their mother's back. dads we have a unique contribution to make in giving our children confidence in a whole range of skills. But it doesn't end there. Some of the training needs to be very deliberate, particularly around the whole area of values. There's another book in the Bible, it's called the book of Proverbs, it's in the Old Testament, and it says this, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from that way. It's as though There are lifelong lessons that we need to try and teach our children. Among other things, we need to teach them to defer gratification, to put some things off for their benefit in the future. We need to teach them lessons about honesty. We need to model to them what real love looks like. We need to teach them how to handle their money and their stuff. Because, of course, if we fail to pass on to them our values, then our kids will still learn, but they'll learn from the advertisers and the music lyrics and from YouTube and from the older kid in the playground. I believe that every life lesson I teach my children saves them from a much tougher lesson later on in life. But of course, the main way we train our kids is by living as an example to them. After all, that's how we learn as children, wasn't it? Like it or not, we find ourselves copying our parents. If you don't believe me, I want you to picture the scene. When our kids are misbehaving... How many of us have caught ourselves in the moment using the exact same lines or phrases that our parents used with us when we misbehaved? Got on the screen behind me at the top five parents cliches that come out from time to time. In fifth place, while you live under my roof, you will obey my rules. I think I started saying that when my kids were just two years old and I've been saying it ever since. In fourth position, how many times do I have to tell you? still remember making the schoolboy error of taking my dad literally when he asked me that question. I think I suggested a number to him. It didn't go well for me. In third position, said with a degree of urgency and possibly tinged with anger as well, Don't make me come up there. Second position. Now I'm going to count to three. As if our kids are going to be forced into submission out of respect for our numeracy skills. Now I wonder how many of you can guess what number one is. Don't put it up on the screen quite yet. Any guesses what in first place it might be? Common things we might say to our kids? Because I said so. Put it up on the screen. Round of applause for the gentleman in the fourth row. Well done. How many of you ever had your parents saying that to you? Yeah, yeah a fair few of you. Some of you have got your parents next to you, so you're kind of <laughs> trying not to get eye contact. We copy our parents, and the deal is this. Our kids, over time, will end up copying us. And so it's worth bearing in mind that most of the training we do will be unconscious. Remember a while ago, we were due to have a meeting round at our house. And I found myself hurrying the kids along and shouting at them slightly unfairly. Why? Because, on reflection, I wanted to look organized and slightly professional for the meeting that was about to happen. It's like in that moment, appearing to have things together and be organized was way more important to me than being a loving, patient, understanding dad. Why? Because I was more concerned with my reputation with the adults than my example to my children. Our children are always watching us. And it's a scary thought but they are learning far more from who we are than what we say. And so the more I can deal with the internal struggles that I have, the more I can deal with all that kind of junk that I try to hide and suppress, the better parent I will end up becoming. In other words, the more I learn to operate out of who God has made me to be, the more I will find my family flourishing. Can I encourage you? The best way to train your kids is to work on the kind of person you are becoming. So that's the first thing. For parents, we have a vital role in training and instructing our children. Second thing that the Bible talks about that I just want to highlight very quickly is this. We're not to exasperate our children. I see the kids in the room, their ears are pricking up. Please, parents, listen to this one. Well, kids, you're not going to like me for this because I'm going to suggest two or three ways to your parents that they can really exasperate you. Okay, so parents, if you want to exasperate your kids, three ways you can do it. Number one, have no time for them. Now, it's probably fair to say that the last thing on earth most parents want to communicate to their children is that they don't care. However, with the pressures of modern day life, it is so incredibly easy for the days, the months, the years to slip by, and before you've realized what's happening, your children have gone and you have no relationship with them. The sad but true fact is that if we don't spend time with our children when they are younger, they probably won't want to spend any time with us when they're older. Now you don't need me to stand at the front here and tell you that children develop incredibly quickly. It really is no exaggeration to say that every day there are fresh adventures and significant achievements. And if you are consistently absent, when those achievements and when those adventures happen, sooner rather than later, your children will assume that really you don't care. I think this actually goes way beyond just being physically present in the room. You see, it's possible to be physically present, but emotionally absent. Let me try and illustrate to you what I mean. Uh, I'm not trying to show off or anything, but I'm the proud owner of an iPhone 6. Uh, I've got to be very careful I don't distract myself now by looking at it and reading the messages that have been coming in, uh, maybe from some of you rather naughtily as I've been speaking. But I've got pretty much everything on this phone. I've got my diary, my emails, books, music, today's newspaper, magazines, Twitter, Instagram, not to mention a whole stack of games. I could spend hours with this phone. In fact, quite honestly, I could very happily go away for a weekend, just me and my phone, and be perfectly happy. But the risk is that my children grow up thinking that I never really knew my dad because he spent all of his time just staring at a three-inch screen. You know, on reflection, that is the last thing I want for my children. Parents, When you are with your children, are you really with them? Are you fully engaged with them? In reality, there are few things more frustrating for a child than absent parents. So I want to urge you, before it's too late, seize the day and make time for them. So for example, If your children, I know some of you are in this situation right now, if your children are still at the baby stage, get as involved as you can in their lives from day one. Dads, and the mums haven't paid me to say this, dads, listen, make a point of changing as many nappies as you can. Hold your child in your arms often talk to them as if they can understand every word. And then as they grow older, put dates in your diary that are important to them. Birthdays, school productions, sports events, and so on. And make sure you know and you understand what they're into, what they're interested in, not just dragging them along to what you're interested in. Many an afternoon I spent looking at old buses with my dad and it was the most dull, boring, tedious thing and it drived a wedge in my relationship with him. I didn't know I'm getting off my chest. Take an interest in what they're interested in uh, and put yourself out to do what they want to do. And whatever you do, don't put any of this off until tomorrow. Because in the words of the old cliche, tomorrow never comes. If you want to irritate your kids, if you want to really exasperate them, First of all, have no time for them. Secondly, be serious all of the time. Let's face it, life is serious. There are bills to pay, there are examinations to pass, there are deadlines to make, there are meetings to arrange, there's healthy eating to attend to, there is discipline from time to time that needs to be carried out. Now, don't hear me wrong, all of this is important. Although that's the case, Childhood also needs to be characterized by a little bit of laughter every now and again. Quite honestly, if all you ever do is tell your children off or tell them to be quiet because you're trying to concentrate and think about something more important, they're going to end up resenting having you around. You see, childhood wasn't designed to be weighed down with the troubles of the world. It was made for fun, at least every now and again. Now, in my mind, one of the main advantages of fun, you can call me a cheapskate if you like, but one of the main advantages advantages is that rarely does it have a large price ticket attached to it. Fun is borrowing a tent and having a family camp out in the garden for a night. Now, just hear me out, this might not sound like your idea of fun, but the point is, if your children enjoy it, I'd suggest it is a legitimate use of your time. Fun is watching a film together on a school night, perish the thought, every now and again. It's having water fights, if not in the house, at least outside the house, or better still, around a friend's house, and running around the house pretending to be Obi-Wan Kenobi or Tinkerbell. Now, scrub that out of your minds right away. Now, I'm aware that in all of this, Uh, There are potential dangers with these examples. and Your mind might readily be going to all the reasons why really this doesn't relate to you. You could camp in the garden and end up getting pneumonia. I'm aware that could happen. And we know that it's really not a great idea to stay up late on school nights understand that. And if you're having a water, ho- water fight in the house, the water could hit an electricity cable or a socket, could ha- cause the whole house to explode, bringing untold devastation to your entire neighbourhood. And I also have to admit, for the sake of balance, there are inherent dangers in some role-playing games. However it will probably be okay. And your children, even if things go horribly wrong, will certainly never be able to say you are dull and boring. So, if you want to exasperate your kids, first of all, have no time. Second, have absolutely no fun. And third, have no boundaries. Think about it. Life is full of boundaries. And normally speaking, boundaries are set for our protection and for our well-being. So, for example, imagine a game of football with neither rules nor a referee to enforce them. It would descend into anarchy. Or imagine attempting to negotiate a car across Birmingham first thing tomorrow morning if there are no road markings, no signs, no traffic lights, no right of way at junctions, and no speed limits. You would end up In something of a gridlock, and where traffic could move, there'd be any number of accidents. I think it's fair to say, on the whole, boundaries bring security, safety, and greater potential for enjoyment. Therefore, to follow the kind of fashion of our society right now and just let our kids do what they want whenever they want with no boundaries whatsoever, I'd humbly suggest is actually the height of cruelty. If you care for your children, if you really care for them, you will lay down very clear boundaries for their own good. And although undoubtedly they will protest when you give them the rules and they will undoubtedly kick up a fuss when you try and enforce them with discipline, as they grow up over time, they might not admit it quite yet, but they will end up appreciating them. Listen. There is nothing more guaranteed to create insecurity in a child than believing that there seems to be no boundaries. And even if there are, nobody really cares if they're crossed. So there you have it. If you want to exasperate your kids, number 1, remember this, have no time for them. Number 2, be deadly serious all the time, have absolutely no fun. And whatever you do, have no boundaries. The bottom line is, as parents, we have a vital role to play in training and instructing our children. And we stand the very best chance of succeeding in this if we set out not to exasperate them. Now, that's the theory. Of course, the reality is that we do all have our failings. But we do all have our shortcomings. I certainly don't want to stand at the front and make out that I am the perfect parent. Every parent in the room, myself included, has done things and said things that we regret. Maybe even this morning. We've lost our rag with our kids or not had time for them in the way that we would have wished. And equally, not only have we made mistakes, but over time others have made mistakes with us. I'm guessing any number of people in the room are carrying the wounds and the scars from parents who, to be honest, were less than we needed them to be at times. So at the end of the day, we've got this problem. We all need parents who instruct us on how to do life, to be available to us, to set safe boundaries for us. But let's be real, no one fully matches up to that, which is why I want to just close this out by pointing you towards God. You see, of all the names attributed to him in the Bible, Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Creator, you know the most frequent term used to describe God in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John at the beginning of the New Testament, is the term Father, Father. Jesus describes God as the perfect Father. Now I don't know where you are at in your journey towards God, whether you've known him for many, many years, or perhaps you, you've just kind of walked into your first ever church meeting. But I do know this. If we're on a journey some way towards God, then the end destination is knowing a perfect father because that's what he's like he's absolutely everything that you need him to be he's done everything necessary for us to come into relationship with him and he can deal with the mess and the junk the selfishness the mistakes in our lives and in him we can know what it is to have the father that we perhaps always dreamt of having ultimately that is what we've been designed for to enjoy relationship with Him. So let me close by saying that for all the parents in the room, and particularly all the dads, and I'm sorry I've been a bit harder on you, please forgive me, but I'm one of you as well, our role is vital. It really is. But in essence, we merely act as imperfect signposts pointing towards a perfect Heavenly Father who promises never, ever, ever to give up on us, to never, ever, ever let us down, and to never fail us. That's the kind of Father we all need, the kind of Father that is available to us.